There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside the great Gangster Pete. Gangster Pete, hello again, everybody. What's good, fam? Uh, Gangster Pete, the, the people missed you last week. I've, I've read a few of the questions already, and they pay homage to you, or they ask you questions specifically on this week's issue of Q, uh, QFTA. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's, that's coming your way here. You're always welcome to send any questions you want. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, questions, stories, opinions, anything. Anything is welcome. Uh, so uh, feel free to fire away anytime during the week if something pop up pops up. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. It's questions from the audience. I've had a few people ask uh, when we're going to return to doing interviews. Certainly we could do them right now. We could do them via Zoom. I have found in my career uh, that doing interviews, the higher ceiling comes from doing them in person. So like when Pete, Iggy, uh, back in the day when we started this thing, the Sea Monster would say, hey, so-and-so is available, but only by phone. I'd say, let's not do it, and let's see if there's a time when the person can come in. Now, it makes it tougher because now the person has to drive to Kirkwood, and if they're not nearby, that's going to make it tough. And in addition to that, I know if I were asked to be on something I had to drive in, I would definitely lessen my interest in doing it. Uh, and now I think it might even be tougher post-pandemic, whenever post-pandemic exists, because people have gotten so comfortable doing things uh, remotely. So I don't know, but as of right now, that's where I am. And plus, uh, QFTA uh, is something that uh, I enjoy doing, and, uh, and, and clearly we are getting more and more questions, so there are more and more people listening. So... In the meantime, that is what we will continue to do, but uh, it's a good question. I probably should have addressed it a long time ago. I guess the last time we did, we did, what's the last interview we did, Gangster Pete? I know we did Caden as one of the last ones. I feel like there was one in between, though, and I can't remember. I'm trying to place it. I don't know if it was in person or not, but either way, I mean, Caden was one of the last ones. I had a I bunch know, of spring training ones. I know we did a couple of the other thing. So I don't know. I don't know, no. but either way, either way. Uh, that's the answer to the question. So, uh, uh, good question. Should have answered it a long time ago. You're welcome to send questions in, opinions and stories in. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. We broadcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. That's Ryan Kelly. I'm going to go. Doug Armstrong and Alvin Mack. Nicely done. Real nicely done. The internet's amazing. Yeah, it is. How you can actually look that up. I remember doing Doug Armstrong from my basement. So that was over the right. phone. And then Alvin Mack came in. Uh, and that was within a week or two after George Floyd, and that was a great one. That's a uh, that's a great one to end season one, which lasted approximately three years. So I just went to thehomeloanexpert.com, and uh, I'll go through the process, even though I actually went through the process about, uh, at this point, three months ago. Closed on a refi in the end of April. Five-minute loan approval. You enter your name, your last name, your email, and your phone number. Boom, you're sending it in, and now all of a sudden you can find out whether or not you're approved. Just like that. Just like that. Uh, and this is for purchasing a home. This is for refinancing a home. Ryan's staff couldn't make it any easier. I was dreading it, 
But my, uh, I was told by an advisor, hey, you, ought re you really ought to do it. The rates are so low. It's just at this point, it's almost financially irresponsible not to do it. So I'm like, fine, I'll do it. And I was thinking, this is going to be a pain in the ass. And then the next thing I know, it was so easy. Ryan Kelly's staff runs an offense that is optimal. So from that standpoint, there was no pain. It was done over, uh, I think most of it actually did while I wasn't in St. Louis. Closed back in St. Louis. That was a 10-minute process. Save yourself money right now by going online at thehomeloanexpert.com. All right, Gangster Pete, this was the one that was sent in most recently. I am going to it. It's in an email. We got so many. Uh, morning, Tim. Hope all is well. I know like it's like a running joke on the show with all the golf talk, but I will say that all of the golf talk has reignited my love for the game and has me back out playing all the time. My question is, what sticks are you swinging? You custom-fitted guy. What are your thoughts on custom-fitting as to how necessary you think that might be? Uh, love the show. That's from Kyle G. Gangster Pete, what are you swinging, and uh, how recent of a purchase were your sticks? Uh, about three years ago, I got some tailor-made M2s. How they treat you? I love them. Uh, the best part about it was, I guess, I'd never gotten new grips on my clubs before. So just having the new grips was a huge improvement. And then these things are just awesome. Like, if you hit it right, it flies straight. Gangster Peak and Hammer's Irons. So I'm a big fan of those. And then I've got an old Ping driver. It's probably about the same age, three years old, which I'm not as big a fan of. You don't hit your driver well. Yeah, I struggle with my driver. It's a day-to-day -day thing. My game depends on how I hit my driver. If I hit my driver well, I'm going to play well. If I don't, it's going to be a long day. My clubs are four years, four approximately four years. I mean, cause I started playing again for the first time in 12 years, 10 years in uh, 2016. Uh, I guess I played in a couple of scrambles in between 2006 and 2016. July 2016, my brother got married in Hilton Head, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to be down here for a while. I'll give it a run uh, and got back into it in a major way. I mean, it, it, my, my addiction went from poker, which kind of pissed away after Black Friday in 2011, to golf in 2016. And so I got new clubs, I guess later in 2016, maybe September, and I still have them. And so these guys I play with who are much better players than me laugh at my clubs. They laugh at me, Gangster Pete. They club shame me. Fuck them. If you Thank play you. well, fuck them. Well, I'm not, but I'm not in their range. Well, that doesn't matter. I mean, if you're playing well for yourself, it does not matter. I, but I do need new sticks. I honestly, here's the thing. Have you ever gone to Club Champion? This is not a library. They're not a sponsor, but I've I've gone there. No, I've I've heard of You've them. heard tell. 270 yeah. and Olive if you're in St. Louis. And I think it was Skip Berkmeyer who told me about Club Champion. I'm almost certain. Um, and I went there and it was great in the sense that it does fit you and not just, you know, like fitting, but also the clubs that work best for you. And there's a simulator and track man, the whole deal. Um, but it's from my standpoint anyway, I don't know about the rest of you, cause I know our audience in this podcast is all, I don't want to say all seven figures, but at least three quarters of a million a year. It's super expensive. And I'm talking about, I think. Well, I mean, this was my own experience. I probably haven't saved, actually, but I think it was like $3,000. Now, you're getting everything, and it's all fitted, and this was everything. But I'm just like, that. I, you know, I can't justify this. Plus, I had just kind of gotten back into it, and it's not like I was anything, not like I'm anything special now, but I definitely wasn't anything special then, and I couldn't justify it. So my last year, I was playing with Skip Berkmeyer, who is one of the best amateur players. I do have club champion emails saved, so I guess I would be able to see what the pricing uh, was. 
Uh, let me see. I mean, I'm going to call it up. I don't know if I'm violating a code here. I don't think I am. Am I violating a code? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, let me see. It looks like it, it. I don't know. It isn't coming up for some reason. Maybe it's expired. It was a lot of money, and anybody who's been there knows that it's it's expensive. But anyway, I said to Skip, I said, I want to work on my swing. What should I do first, clubs or swing? And he was thinking about it, and he said, I'd work on swing first. And that's when I wor started working with Craig Story. Um, now I have a slap tear. That's a shoulder labrum tear, but I saw the doctor last week and he said, you know, I've got a torn, I've got a slap tear in both of my shoulders. This guy's an athlete. Um, and you know, a couple days a month it hurts, but otherwise I'm able to, you know, lift squat upper body. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't advise doing anything unless it's killing you all the time. So what I was planning on doing was like around September getting surgery. And then ideally it would be okay for me to play if we were to go to spring training starting in like February. But now, um, I'm not sure I'm going to do it, which I might, it's could absolutely tear me apart next year. If at this time I'm like in a sling, but it really hasn't bothered me much lately, minus a few days here over the last month. And it was really bad. Um, so with that said, I'm kind of like, well, maybe now's the time to get clubs. But if not club champion, where? If not club champion, where? Uh, like, what's kind of a middle ground? Like, I don't want to just go in and grab some sticks off the rack at a place. But at the same time, I don't really want to spend a few thousand dollars on them. So I'm kind of in the... So anyway, to answer the question, it's ping irons, ping driver, ping three wood, and a Call Callaway wedges, and... Uh, like a four hybrid, um, that's Callaway as well. And then a ping putter, if I'm not mistaken. So there it is. Um, but yeah, I love, I absolutely love playing. And if it weren't for golf, how much are you playing right now? Gangster Pete? More than I've ever played. Sure. Of course, because of the circumstances. Yeah. It's the only thing you can do to keep you sane. I mean, easily the most. And so I guess for me anyway, this is what I would be doing for the most part, except we would be doing some stuff outside of golf course slash pool. Um, but I mean, it's kind of what I've done the last few summers anyway, except now I take my son and he loves going and it's kind of become like a running joke where we play that. How does this kid last four and a half hours? Especially since, as I say, I think weekly on the podcast, he's batshit, but I mean, I can't get enough of him. It's just, he's batshit. He's high energy, man. And he loves it. And, um, so I love it. So, so from my wife's standpoint, if she's having a crazy day, uh, where he's all over the place, I take him out for five hours and I'm thrilled cause he's with me down on the golf course. He's thrilled cause he wants to be with me on the golf course and she gets some time. So it works both ways. Um, so yes, I've played more. I love it. I, now that I am at a point where I'm, I guess I, at this point, I don't know how I can't be playing the best I've ever played in my life. It bothers me can't do anything about it, but it's just being honest. It bothers me that I didn't play for, I guess, 11 summers. Uh, not that I would have been like, you know, a scratch golfer, but to, you know, just to think that, I mean, essentially throughout my thirties, I didn't play golf is just it, it, that I'm sure that'll bother me like for the rest of my life, actually, because it's not like it's going to get any better as time goes on. So, uh, that's tilting, but to answer your question, 
ping, but I am due for some new clubs, and uh, I really don't want to spend $3,000 on said new clubs, which is, I think, about what it was priced at. And it might have been more than that, but I didn't want to go, like, super, super, super high if I didn't know it, but I'm pretty sure that's what I remember. Uh, let's see what we got in more QFTA files here. Uh, plenty on the fan pages. Well, we had a bunch on the fan page last week, Gangster Pete. When I went Han Solo, and I don't think I answered any of them because I did Gallup Palooza, but we had a bunch this week. Uh, True Kate is the answer to the uh, pic- the picture of who the girl is um, in the uh, in my weekly post. Uh, and let me see, is the fan page coming up for you? I'm having issues with it, like freezing it. Yeah, I'm point. looking at the thread right now. Oh, you are okay. Uh, well, usually I filter it in case there's some that I don't want to. So now I'm just, I'm leaning 100% on you because for whatever reason, I can't call it up. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and pull them up and, uh, and fire away. All right. The first one, are we saying the person's name or not? Uh, no, always there on the side of no. Hypothetical. If you were to quit the radio business, what would you do instead? Uh, gangster Pete, I'm sure you've thought about this a lot more than me recently. Uh, what's your answer? Uh, I, I enjoy the business aspect, so I'd like to, I'd like to get involved in like a small business that wants to grow and be a part of growing a small business so I can kind of get on the ground floor. Like that's always kind of been my goal. Yeah. I kind of like that idea too, whether that be radio or not broadcasting, podcasting or not. I agree with you there. Everybody's kind of pulling this or, you know, they're invested, not necessarily financially, but just buy in a peaceful, happy you know, we're all pulling in the same direction kind of thing. There's value in that. I realize it might not be able to pay your bills value, but there's value. Um, uh, for me, what would I do? I, cause I do think about it. Um, my contract is up at the end of 2021 at KFNS. And so if we were to move, I think about that. And I've kind of looked around in Jupiter and the people I know who live down there are kind of like, yeah, it's not really like a job marketplace unless you're in, you know, real real estate, like everybody's a real estate agent there. Uh, like it's kind of a running joke and that wouldn't be it. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, I love communicating with people. I really do. So I, I don't know. I mean, if it's like the, was the question radio specific, cause then my, my out is going to be podcasting. It said other than radio. Ah, podcasting. Nice. That's my out. You've terrible answer, but that's my out. Cause that's what I, tr- that's what I, that's kind of what I like anyway. I like it in general. Cause then that way, like if there's a bunch of stuff going on, like you can pop up with updated podcasts and just do it from your home. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I've, I've fallen in love with podcasting since starting to do the podcast. It's something I enjoy doing. Um, and so that would be, that would be the answer. That would, that would be the answer. That's something I, I would do podcasting. You're in the right line of work. You think so? Yeah. That's what you said about one of our guests on the family interview. Why oh, did yeah. you say that about that guy, by the way? I, I know this is essentially me and you having a conversation, but we, as you know, we have people coming in doing the family interviews and uh, I would say we're averaging about two a week and have since we reopened back up. If you're interested, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. We have one tomorrow. And a gentleman came in, I won't go into description on him, but I really, I, most of, almost all of the time, I really enjoy the interviews. Like, I really enjoy it. Me really, too. really, really enjoy it. Uh, and there was a gentleman got done and kind of, you know, whatever, hit it off. And we were talking probably 10, 15 minutes afterwards. And you said, he is definitely in the right line of work. Why did you say that about that gentleman? You could just tell that, like, listening to him talk, that he had a passion for what he did. 
and it just it really came through and like the way he presented himself the way he spoke i just like he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing yeah yeah i agree i agree with that so this is kind of, i i really do like doing it podcast but I mean, here's the thing because you one of the reasons why this is dead serious I, I don't think it's really a big revelation but it's just being transparent one of the reasons why owning our content and or owning a radio station or whatever it winds up, whatever winds up being our distribution platform as, as the years go by is, is appealing to me is because I really do want to live um, somewhere warm during the, the winter. I mean, that's, that's just, that's something I know I've said a bunch on here, but that's how I think. And what has transpired with the pandemic over the last five months is the idea that a anybody really, but specifically broadcasters need to be in the city where they broadcast or in the same studio even, uh, that has kind of gone by the wayside. And I felt that's the case. Now, I don't know if I would have felt that that was the case if, let's say, it were the cat who was in Florida and it was me and Doug back in St. Louis, or if it was Doug who was in Florida and me and the cat were back in St. Louis. But I always felt like it didn't really matter um, outside of you can't see people. And if you have a, you know, a kind of an ensemble cast, it's tough because you don't know who's talking when, but I think if only one person is remote and it's an ensemble cast, or if everybody's on a Comrex as opposed to phone lines, because I think there's a little delay with phone lines, it doesn't really matter. And there are multiple people who do shows remotely. Um, and I just kind of like, okay, maybe it, maybe that isn't necessary anymore. I guess it does matter if you if you need to meet with clients and you have events and so on and so forth. But I always told KFNS that I will fly up for events. I just don't want to be, because I'm telling you, man, Pete, it starts for me like in late September when you're out on the golf course and you notice the leaves falling. Yep. And I go into a dark place right then. That is my moment. My mom despair. was the same way. She got out of town. She lives down south now. And, and loves it. She loves it. What, Mobile? Is that right? Uh, no, she lives in Fairhope on the mobile bay ah there it is that's why i was thinking the mobile thing so that's what i'm thinking but here's the thing about spring training i'm not even sure there's going to be spring training in uh i mean i i, I realize that might sound dark but that's um that's kind of what i'm thinking so um i don't know what will wind up happening but that's what i that's what i think with regard to uh with regard to doing shows remotely it is something that stands out to me um and yeah with 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 the podcast the thing i think i like the most about the podcast is like, I want to talk about a lot of the stuff that we wind up talking about on the podcast. I just feel like I'm in a weird spot, like with regard to politics, for example, because then it becomes like, oh, who's going to win the discussion, which isn't what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in it uh, because I assure you, if you're conservative, you think Doug wins the discussion and whoever would represent the liberal side, the Plowhawk uh, certainly uh, was doing that quite often. I guess Rocchio's done it to an extent. Um you, you, you're on board with them. So it's just, it's whatever fulfill. It's not like you're going, oh, you know what? I was a big Trump supporter, but once the Plowhawk gave his opinion, I changed my mind. <laughs> I'll be voting for Joe Biden. It's not the way it works. So it's confirmation bias. So here, I think, I think we talk about it, but don't necessarily say we're right. This is just the thought process of how we arrive to the uh, solution. So, Anyway, or the answer, I should say, not necessarily solution. So um, let me see. I'm pulling up. I think I finally got I don't know what was going on. I had to restart my computer. It's bizarre. Well, either way, while well, I get to the fan page, I've got a million in email that we didn't answer uh, last week. Uh, let's see. 
Tim, uh, two Midwest-based Division Three conferences announced Monday that all fall sports, including football, will be postponed with the possibility of the sports happening in the spring. The conferences are the CCIW and the Midwest Conference. Those two announcements combined with what happened with the Marlins earlier this week make sports seem doubtful outside of the bubble approach by the NBA and NHL. What do you think happens without football? Do people find new habits or try to be more productive or does this make the general public even more frustrated these days? Thanks. R in the Midwest. Gangster Pete, you start things off. I mean, if there's no football, it makes me more frustrated. I mean, it doesn't. it's not going to change my habits next year if football comes back. I mean, yeah, I'll find different things to do with my time during that Saturdays and Sundays, but I'll be very, very frustrated. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I certainly hope it, but I guess I've just never really expected it. So I'm not... It's, from my standpoint, if it happens, I'll feel like it's a win just because I've been in the mindset that it's not going to happen. So, Are you talking about just college or college and NFL? I'm talking both. Right. I just don't think it's going to happen. I feel like NFL is happening. And they're I mean, just going to be like, this is like gladiator yeah. and, you know, if they die, they die kind yeah, of a thing. If you want the money, come and get it. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, but, I, I, I mean, listen, I hope it does from a DraftKings standpoint and a gambling standpoint. All right, I'm going to do a live read. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Uh, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton has some exciting news to share for the St. Louis area. State Farm has filed a rate decrease with the state of Missouri, and James is confident that State Farm will have the best pricing that he's seen in 12 years and perhaps in their history, meaning there has never been a better time for our listeners to take a look if they're not currently with State Farm. And the good news isn't, just for those looking to change their coverage, current customers will be seeing big reductions in their renewals as well. How can you switch? Go to carltoninsurance.net or 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. All right, I'm going back to my email since my fan page, for whatever reason, is not working. I hope this is only at KFNS and it's not the case at... Uh, at home. I'll I like this it. next question, though. I want to get your answer. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's go to that, and I'll have I'll save this email on my laptop. What is your favorite baseball movie of all time? Okay. Oh, see, I'm going to... All right, you go first. It's a close first and second. I'd probably go Bull Durham 1, The Natural 2, but it's real tight. Huh. I didn't think Bull Durham was that great. Ah, I love Bull Durham. I didn't think Bull Durham was that great, but I also don't think I've really committed to Bull Durham. It's kind of like what I said, even though it's I don't think it's a long movie, like about the Irishman. Right. That's how I think I handled Bull Durham. I kind of tuned out for whatever reason. And if you're not locked in, I'm sure you don't appreciate it. And I've never really committed to watching it. So maybe I need to commit to watching it and having a greater appreciation for it. I don't I, think I really I'd recommend it. So I need to do that. I've definitely watched The Nashville because I watched it, relatively speaking, recently. I did enjoy The Nashville quite a bit. Pick out a winner, Bobby. Um, I don't like the female lead in Field of Dreams. And I can't think of what her name is. Um, and it certainly is a, a premise that's kind of ridiculous. Oh, yeah. She kind of bothers me. Okay, too. so you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised she was cast for it, but whatever. Was her, her, do you have the name? Um, IMD I'm being? getting there. Okay. But my God, the last scene is so good. The the last scene's so good. Amy Madigan. Thank you. Uh, that I, I mean, it almost, for me, 
That's what pops in my head when I think of a baseball movie. Because now, this just happened for the first time this past weekend, coincidentally. You had a catch? Did, did not. <laughs> We're not, <laughs> not at that point. But the Cardinals were on. And honestly, I'm just not... Did you did you find yourself excited to watch games? Honestly, I know yeah. you got to do the thing where you don't want angry people no. emailing you, but you don't care, so it doesn't matter. No, I wasn't excited at all until about Sunday night. I had my first fantasy draft, and I kind of started like, all no. right, here we go. We're getting no. back into it. And by the time the game came on, I was I was excited. I, I did watch. Go. I watched Friday, and I'm like, oh, it's a double play to win it. That's a big play considering yeah. the Pirates were rallying. Uh, I guess I didn't watch Saturday, and I definitely didn't watch Sunday because I was watching Adam Long make his Sunday charge. I was watching that, too. Absolutely locked on that. Um, matter of fact, I was over at... Uh, I hope this doesn't... It's just, it's just what I was doing. It's so Who cares? I know, but it's just so fucking weird the way the world works. <laughs> but I just talk about stuff, and then it's like, oh, but it's not. My son is friends with, you know, his kids, so it's over at Jim Edmonds' house. Oh, my God. And I got done playing, stroke play event, and uh, played well. was very happy. Uh, two over on the back and kind of right at the ship. Nice. You ever play a stroke play event? That's a different world um, because there no. is no cap. And like with match play or something like that, you just lose yeah. the hole even if you're taking a 10. Yeah, it sucks if the other guy got a nine, but at least you're not posting a score. Stroke play is a different ball game. So like I had, I think I had 14 pars, but I still shot uh, 79. And that's because I took two sevens and one of the sevens was on a par three. And I just fucking blasted it off the building I think at Westboro I think off the roof of the on a part of three number nine for those of you who've played it I don't know what the hell it was a four iron it was like 205 and I'm like all right if I get a three here I'll at least stay in the 30s on the front and I'm like I'll, I'll make sure I'm gonna get this thing there I usually miss it right there's a bunker on the right and it didn't cut like it normally does and it just shipped and I'm just waiting to hear a car shatter a person pass away and we heard a bink, and we're like I think that went off the roof it was that far offline. I digress. I'm in a good mood because I had a nice back nine after just a horrible Saturday. And, a, you know, I shot well in the front, but it didn't score well, uh, which might sound like a paradox, but I think some people will understand what I mean by that. Played well. Struck the ball well. Ball striker. Bubba Watson, ball striker. Bracket. And then um, Jim and uh, his significant other invited us over. And I get over there, and he's going to his son's uh, game, and I said, hey, can you put the TV on? I got to watch it. And he goes, okay, settle down. He goes, Before he leaves, he puts it on. And I'm like, no, that's the, it's, that's the baseball game. He goes, what do you want to watch? I go, the <laughs> golf tournament. And he goes, okay. So, you know, he's kind of like, whatever, you know, you know him. I mean, he's not really locked in per se anyway. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, but I wanted to see what Adam was doing. And it was thrilling. He putts for birdie on 18 and he's the leader going in. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately Michael Thompson was able to, uh, to win it. And, uh, yeah, I had some money on long. I would have won $2,000, two $10 bets. Gangster Pete yeah, plus 10,000. That's a good ROI. I did have uh, 25 bucks on Michael Thompson. So that he paid. seemed like a real nice guy. He did. I was, I was, happy, was happy for him. For him yeah. I, I agree with you. And Adam, I texted with Adam since, and he's in a great play. Got his spot. You wing foot now. Yeah. Much less $712,000. Yeah. So he's, he's just fine. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, on Friday night, the Cardinals' first game, I pull my son up on the couch, and I have my arm around him, and we're watching the baseball game together. And I found it to be, and he's asking who people are, and I'm giving him names, and he recognizes the Cardinal uniform now at this point. And 
And I'm just like, this is, this is so simple, but this is so great. And I love it. I can't tell you how much I love it. And it's one of those things, like if this were five years ago, Pete, and you had a two-year-old and I was still, uh, I guess, married without a kid, like I was five years ago, and you were telling me about it, I'd be like, okay, that's great. And so I, re- I realized as somebody without a kid, you're just like, okay, it's great. And I get it. And it's Well, no, great. I think that that's one of the main reasons I'd want a kid is to watch ball games. With that, and it's just, it was just the greatest. I can't even begin to tell you. And he loves, you know, now he's throwing on his cardinal cap and hitting balls and all that stuff. And it's just, I just, I cannot, it's just absolutely, it's so simple, but it's so wonderful. And so you now I like that Field of Dreams final scene before. But uh, now with a child, I think it even has more uh, power. But I, I, I would, you know, what my honest answer right off the top of my head is Major League. Yeah, Major I, League. Do you so you like obviously like Bull Durham more than Major League? Yeah, I thought Major League was more silly than Bull Durham. I got, I got, I got to commit to whatever ninety minutes on uh, Bull Durham um, and, and give it a fair try because as weird as it is, I never really feel like I've sat through it. Um, I guess I just didn't find. I don't. I don't. I don't find. Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins, like, is that comedic? Right. Well, I mean, I don't think the whole thing's a comedy. Right. But uh, I think there are definitely some really funny parts in it. So I got, I got to give it, I got to give it a fair, I got to give it a fair try. I'll commit to that this uh, this like, week. I'm just thinking of a few things I think you'd like. I got to commit to it. Yeah. I know. I mean, I haven't committed to, it, which is so weird. It's like what thirty two or three or four years old now at this point. Oh uh, right? yeah, mid late eighties. Yeah. Uh, all right, Here, here's one, uh, the Gangster Pete, for, good for you, you can't comment on this, I guess you can, but, uh, yeah, you can, from a different perspective, though. Good morning, Tim. I found myself looking for advice lately, I even thought about you, because I recently started the process of going through a divorce from my wife, who I've been married to for three years and have known for five. We had a good marriage, but just kind of realized we were better friends than husband and wife. Uh, it seems like it will be amicable. Uh, I want to emphasize right there, I see a problem. Because it just, I, I mean, listen, it would be wonderful if that prophecy comes to fruition. But I'm just telling you, it's the same reason why when I watched, what was the name of the movie with uh, Adam Driver and Laura Dern that I said I couldn't get through? I had to stop. Is it a marriage story? Is that a marriage what it was? story, yeah, that's it. Oh. Whew. As I was reading this email when this gentleman sent this in, I immediately knew I was going to talk about it because it, it's what takes me back. Like, all it takes is one of the divorce attorneys to start and it doesn't matter what the two parties intent is. It's over. It's over because once a shot is fired, you then have, you, well, I don't say you have to react, but it's, it's almost an involuntary reaction. And it's, it's just, it's, I don't know. I wish I could tell you better. It's like somebody emailed me about, uh, the slap tear surgery when we heard me talking about it last week on the radio and how he was talking about how fucking awful it was. And like, then he sent me an email a few hours later going, I just realized how awful I made it sound. It's not that bad. It's bad. It's not that bad. Um, I can't, I can't do that. Cause I don't want to be, I don't. And, and I also should say when I got divorced, it was not a long marriage and there were no kids. Uh, I don't know here if there are any children, it seems like it will be amicable and that we will go on our way, wishing each other the best. I am 32 and she is 31 and we live, uh, here in St. Louis. With that being said, I am still sad about it all. We had a great time together and it's hard to end a relationship, no matter how good it might be for you. I wanted to ask if you felt comfortable sharing advice on QFTA about what helped you get through your divorce, divorce from the first marriage you've mentioned on TMA before. I request nothing personal at all. That would be weird, but just thoughts from a guy who went through it before and what helped 
uh, him get to the quote-unquote other side. Your shows bring so much joy to my life, and I just hope you guys all are able to keep it going in a way that works for everyone involved. Thanks. That comes from Bobby. So, Gangster Pete, the reason why I say because your parents yep. divorced and got divorced when you were in your teens, am I right? I was a freshman in college. Okay. So, and are you that you have a sibling, right? I have two younger brothers. Two younger brothers. Okay. So, two years and four years younger than me. So, I was about to say that I, I wonder if they waited until 18, but that's not what happened. They were going to do that. And I told them that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I remember you saying that now. Yeah. And so, uh, I think everyone was happy it worked out the way it did. Oh, that's good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with it by going to college and partying and bullshit. Yeah, that's probably a good uh, good out, considering yep. what, what it would have been if you were like your youngest brother, you know, right. who was there, uh, or both of them, I guess, but especially the youngest one. So it's tough because, as I've said before with regard to this, and I and I mean, even if, if, if it weren't, it's, just, it's not something that I have or will ever actually, because of respect for my ex-wife, um, go into the details. Not that anybody's asking for personal, and I really do. I do think incredibly highly of her as a person it's been at this point 12 years but uh still i've been through it um i am 100 percent to blame so th th i'm coming from that perspective which i realize it's kind of like shawshank where they say well don't you know everybody's innocent in here um i am saying i am 100 percent to blame uh so you know uh you have to come to terms with that um and um also i look back at myself 12 years ago and i just i don't even think i was um I guess I was marryable because I got married, but I just was not livable with. Um, so one of those things when I see politicians say, you know, I've changed, I can kind of buy into it because I'm like, God, who I was 12 years ago versus now, it's like a different person. Like, as I've said before, I'm embarrassed by some of the stuff that I'll hear on like morning grind audio archives. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it also, there's a parallel there with, cause so much of the show is kind of who we are and just telling stories from our lives and perspectives from our lives. So you can imagine what it was like to live with me and be married to me. Uh, and it wasn't a positive. So I feel horribly. Um, I really do. It'll, uh, that, that, that will never, ever go away. I will always feel that way. Uh, with that said, I think both of us are in much better situations now. But again, I, I, it's on me. So I want that disclaimer out there because I think sometimes when people talk about their divorce, there's either they either passive aggressively shit on their ex <laughs> Or, you know, feel like they were fucked. And maybe, maybe they were fucked over. By the way, I should say that. It's not like everybody's, you know, you know, I mean, in order for somebody to get fucked over, that means somebody had to do the fucking over. But in this case, I am the bad guy, period. Uh, so with that said, I don't really, because every case is different. Like I didn't have kids. So it's total world changer. I think most people who get divorced, especially in the St. Louis area where people have kids younger than, you know, your average large cities, uh, the average age at large cities, um, it, it, you're going to have children involved in the divorce. It's a totally different thing. So I remember my friends who were attorneys saying, well, I mean, you weren't married that long. You don't have any kids. It should be kind of a layup. And it should have been. And then it, well, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, then I'm, I'm getting into, I, I can't, it, it, the attorneys are the issue. <laughs> in my experience, that's what can, that's what can ruin good intentions. Um, and once it happens, I don't know. I, but I mean, there's no way for me to advise you because I'm not advising both of you. And either way, I highly doubt your 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 soon to be ex wife would be like, oh, the creep you listen to on the radio and podcast is giving advice on our on our divorce. Yes, I'd love to listen to that. That's not going to work. So directly to you, Bobby. Um, 
God, I, there is, there's oftentimes you hear these cliches and they're kind of cutesy, but they don't have a whole lot of truth to them. I will say in, in my limited experience, and I was guided importantly to go one direction as opposed to another direction, more of a pacifist direction that the only people who wind up making money in these things are the attorneys. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Now, I can, I can't speak to a bunch of these, I'm not an attorney. I, uh, but I just, you know, and it's not like I was chopping up a bunch of money. Uh, so, you know, that, that needs to be said, but with it said, that's why I think when I watched a marriage story, that's why I also just the, seeing the child and, and that element, just that, that's what, you know, as a father at that time, I guess somebody who just turned to, um, but, but just recognizing the tactics and it was just like a flashback for something that, you know, has been at this point a long time, but just recognizing them. I hated it, man. And I actually had a few divorce attorneys, gangster Pete, one wanted it was willing to come on the show and not use his name, but to kind of say, yes, what you saw, said you saw in marriage story is right. right. Cause then whoever wrote it was right on. And it was just right away. And, and my wife is sitting there watching and she's like, what's the problem? I'm like, well, you have not been divorced. I have. And I'm recognizing this stuff. And it's just, it's so, it's so grotesque yet so profitable. I couldn't watch that movie in one sitting either. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it took it took me like three different sittings to watch it. Really? So it was painful you were as a yeah. child of a divorce, even though you're in your thirties now. Yeah, and it's just I mean, it was just very emotional. So yeah. uh yeah, so it's I knew raw, I knew it was man. I knew it was very good and I knew I wanted to fi- finish it, but I just I just couldn't do it all at once. It's uh it's it's just it's so raw. So so much of it I guess came back in that sense from that um I don't know. It's just, it's so, I, I don't know. I, again, it's one of those things I just, I really, it's just, it's, it's tough to talk about without, you know, going through firsthand experiences, but then would, would break, you know, what is a covenant of sorts that I just, I just don't, not going to do, but I'm just saying the attorneys that, but there's no way it's so tough because it's really, even if you're analytical and I'm much more analytical now than I was in 2008, but even if you're analytical, um, it's, it's an emotion filled deal. So if you're used to dealing whatever kind of deal, whether it be a business transaction or just negotiating your salary, whatever the case might be. And that's analytical. And certainly that can get emotional. Uh, this is all emotion. This is a business deal that was made because of emotion. And now it is, uh, ceasing to exist because of emotion. So it is therefore emotional and not analytical. And that is why it is so profitable, at least from my standpoint on the outside looking in to be a family attorney, especially one who knows how to tap into whatever soft spot you can find in your client. And I'm not saying they all do that. I'm not saying that, but in this case, like people are like, Oh, I love Laura Dern's character. And I go, Oh, <laughs> Oh God almighty. The worst. I mean, the absolute worst. And I would imagine any guy who's been divorced did not like the Laura Dern character because you had to have recognized it. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm telling you, that's like a horror movie for me. That is like a horror movie for me. I don't have anything good for you, Bobby. I hate it. I know that's the worst because it's, it's not the way you really, if somebody contacts you for advice, the last thing you want to do is say this is a fucking horror movie. I don't know. Here's one thing I will say. This is what I will say. Um, I recall when it was all going down, friend of mine, 
incredibly smart guy, um, said, you know what? It might seem like the world right now, but when it's all said and done, it's a blip on the radar. Um, and I think he was trying to, um, I don't know what the right word would be, counsel with the optimism. But, um, you know, again, I guess, but it's results-oriented um, that I think everybody is in a better spot uh, that they're, you're going through the process. It just dep- It just really depends. It's so, and it's not, it's... I think that's really good advice, though. The blip on the radar thing? Yeah, because whatever you're going through at the time always seems like it's the biggest thing in the world. Right. And then, you know, as you get further away from it, you realize, oh, maybe I learned something for it. Maybe it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, yeah. So I I try to be optimistic as possible. I I, I mean, I'm telling you, and and again, some of the, the, here's something. This is a a piece of advice, although it's more for the don't get divorced. That's where I, that's where I am. Although I don't know if you've been in a, I mean, I I don't know if you're like in a spot where it's like, it's, it's uh, irreconcilable is the the term that's used, but you're just like, this is a living hell. Um, So with that said, I don't think people realize the ramifications of it until they're on the other side of it. Like, he or she you were friends with will no longer necessarily be your friends. Not because they're bad people or you're bad people, but because they may stay friends with your significant other and they can't be friends with both. It's a weird thing. Uh, it's a scene in Crazy Stupid Love. It's a scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm. We've chosen Cheryl. Uh, not you, Larry. Uh, that kind of thing. That's a real thing. Uh, the impact on family, that's a real thing. Uh, certainly, of course, the the financial element of it. But um, I, it's a I don't know, man. I don't know. I I I just from the child standpoint. You know what movie? I what a coincidence, by the way. I watched because as I tell you, Gangster Pete. What do you watch when you get up in the morning? Since we're up at the same time. Nothing. I just get in the shower. And you and just go. Yeah. See, I like to sit there and drink my coffee and read and have something. And it's I usually to golf a podcast Central. on the way here. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with. I that. listen to Golf Central after, the, or I watch Golf Central after the show. Yeah. I just okay. have that on while I'm doing stuff. Yeah, that's that's my goat. I just I, I think there's such a market for a show for men in their 20s, 30s, 40s because it's just not there. It's like this kind of like I don't even know what I don't even know what this programming is geared toward. It's just it's not certainly it's not fascinating, but. Um, so I go to a movie channel. Mrs. Doubtfire was on. Oh, yeah. And I watched that Classic. movie now a whole lot different <laughs> right. than I did in the 1990s, you know? Um, and I think I, now I have a greater appreciation for why it was so appreciated at the time. I'm just like, oh, Robin Williams is funny. Look, he's able to dress up as a woman. And, <laughs> you know, but uh, you have a better understanding of it. So I think about it more from now the parent standpoint, which is not something I've experienced. Pete's experienced it, but as a child of it, uh, my parents were married in 74 and still together. And, uh, Anna Marie and I have been married since 2011. And, and when I was divorced, we didn't have any kids. So I don't know. So I, I, th- I feel like that's an important detail, but it, it changed it, from my standpoint. Anyway, it changes the game. Uh, Tim. Oh, this was the question that led to my opening statement of sorts. Tim, I was just curious if you weren't having guests on your podcast due to the coronavirus. That is correct. Uh, I really enjoy your interviews. If I'm out of line by asking, I apologize. No, you're not out of line. Every question's welcome. I'm a loyal listener to the show and podcast. I hope everything works out for you and the other five members of the show. I was also wondering if you ever considered having Randy Carricker on the podcast. You both have great memories when it comes to sports, and I think it would be a great conversation. Thank you for taking the time to read this. Thanks. That comes from Greg. 
So I uh, talked about that at the beginning. And Greg, it was your email that uh, triggered my memory to make sure that I talked about it this week as to why we're not having guests. And listen, if it gets to a point where we just can't have people in for a long time, then we'll just go the phone route or the Zoom route or whatever the case might be. But, you know, uh, this is kind of a good break, actually, with everything that I'm tending to off the field, so to speak. So um, it's it's fine. Uh, and I just like doing questions from the audience anyway. I also think, here's another thing. This is a brief aside, but Gangster Pete is a producer of said podcast. You probably will agree with this. Um, although, as I've said before with regard to Gangster Pete, he's more business producer than like an Iggy producer or a Sea Monster guest booking producer. I think a podcast more based on this style, but perhaps with like a Rogan flair to it, as in topical guests, but not necessarily quote-unquote A-list guests, right. is more sustainable. Because what happens is you come out of the gate on fire, but it's just you can't <laughs> keep it going. Like, I kind of think it's going on right now with Joe Buck, even though he's coming off of fucking Eddie Vedder. Well, it makes it almost no fun because all you're thinking about is, oh, what's I got to get the next guest. Like, this is great. but yeah. like what's And, it's, it's, and that's kind of where we got. Yeah. And it was it became a real... I don't want to say it was real negative, but it was, it was like anxiety producing. Right. You know, and I know it was on your plate and Iggy's plate. Um, and, and it's just, it became like, oh, we, we got to have a guest this week. And now not having that, even though I know why, like if the pandemic weren't going on, at least I think we would, we would be doing it. And I was doing interviews in Jupiter before this all happened. I love doing them. Fuck the interview with Flaherty is one of my favorites. And I, Mosaic was lined up. And they are way better in person. I mean, I've, way, I've listened, and I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts where they can't have the interviews in person. Mm -hmm. The ones that aren't are just not nearly as good as the ones that are. So like Stern, you know, yeah. Worship at the Altar yeah. and his interviews. I'm like, oh, you had Katy Perry on. I'm like, I'm anxious to see her. And then, I'm like, then I like see a pop-up on my Facebook or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she was on Zoom. Right. And I might listen to it, I'm, but I'm not. Like when he finally got Brady on, Tom Brady. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that wasn't, you know, it was fine, but it wasn't. It's not the same thing. Well, I'll listen to any of his interviews when they're in studio. I don't give it, even if I don't know a thing or even care for the person. But yeah, Rogan's been trying to get people in studio, doing? and he gives them a test. Like he gives them oh, the does COVID he really? test there, and then they do it. But uh, like he had Peter Schiff on the other day through Zoom, and it was just terrible because really? they're just talking over each other. They couldn't hear each other. It was just like yeah, I mean, Schiff had some really good information, but it was almost unlistenable because they were just talking over each other. That all sucks. Time. That sucks. And he's the epidemiologist, am I correct? No, Peter Schiff is a financier. Who he's, am I thinking he, of? Because Stern had a guy on who became like, this has became a guy. And I know that uh, Rogan had Osterholm on. Who right. Is Peter Schiff is a financial advisor? Yeah. What's, he, what was he able to say? Although you didn't enjoy the interview, what was the theme? Well, I didn't listen to the whole thing. Because it was so annoying? It was so annoying. That's but the thing. He it's thinks like, there's a lot of bubbles out there. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he, Is he, uh, I mean, well, he one's, was a fan, one's obvious to me. He, and that's well, he was a fan of Trump coming in, but then Trump started doing everything the previous administration did about building up these bubbles is better than they were. And, like, it's all his, he's done it all. The W so administration went, or the Obama administration? The Obama administration. He was. He said there, there was a bubble when it ended. And then Trump said that he was going to change things, but he then, once he got into office, he didn't change things, just kept it all the status quo. So the bubble is still building. Which bubble was he speaking of? Was he going back on real estate? Uh, I don't, I don't know. All right. I didn't, I didn't get into it enough. Well, maybe I'll listen to it. It kind of intrigues me. I shouldn't I mean, have brought it up. <laughs> yeah, you, you knew that the Peter Schiff interview was going to come up when a guy yeah. asked about our interviews and Randy character. <laughs> uh, I know Randy. I don't really know him that well. We only worked at the radio, a radio station together, I think, one time. And that was 1380 when it was uh, the morning after. 
in the morning and Bernie Miklas and Randy Carricker together in the afternoons. But I don't think that lasted all that long because I think they had cutbacks at Simmons Media. That was the parent company. And Randy was let go. And then within a year, I think Bernie went to 101. I think that's what happened. Um, so, I mean, I certainly know him, but I don't know him all that well. And here's the reason why, at least at this particular moment in history, it won't happen. It's just not 101's policy or Hubbard's policy or whatever. At least it hasn't been. Maybe it's different now um, to have. Oh, I don't know. We have, we have, we've have we had all the KC people, so I don't know. And that's Hubbard. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it would. I don't Maybe I don't know. I I don't view things through that lens. I think that, like, um, silo, so to speak, of, you know, of not intermingling with other silos, i.e. corporations, I think that stuff has kind of been lessened, but maybe it hasn't. And I don't, you know, I don't want to put Randy in a weird spot. I'd have, I mean, certainly I'd have him on. I, 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 yeah, he does. My understanding is they do this trivia thing. Well, I guess he's not in afternoons. He's in mornings now. But they did do this thing called 4 O'Clock Fight. I think I, it was just a trivia thing, and he's, he, like, unbeatable because yeah, his memories. Yeah, he just whip everybody. Yeah. I only heard it a few times, but every time I I mean, did, I could maybe do that, like, with 1980s, 90s, and 2000s stuff, but if it goes back before 82, I'm, I'm you know, mediocre. It's just a memory thing. So it's not really a knowledge thing because I'm not really that monstrous of a sports fan. I mean, St. Louis sports fan, but I'm not really, like, a monstrous sports fan of other cities' teams. Uh, let's see. So anyway, good question, Greg. I'm glad you asked because it triggered my memory on that. Hey, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is a wonderful gentleman and somebody I recommend wholeheartedly to our audience to uh, have a financial advisor. It's so important. I just really, I, you know, kind of going back into that mode where I think about like how I just screwed up so badly in my, uh, in my twenties and really even my thirties. Uh, it's not, it's not just limited to my twenties. And what life would be like if I would have known Mark right when I started at KMOV. And it's not like I was making a ridiculous amount of money, but at 23, it was a good amount of money. And uh, what I could have done. And I think here's something. And it's not, it's just, it's not intended to be, it's, not, it's certainly not a shot or anything like that. I just think, I think it's probably good business across the board. Don't do business with friends. And I, I don't, and it's it, 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 just because it makes it awkward. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I know that sounds, it's, I mean, it might be easier to get in, so to speak, but it's certainly tougher to get out. And, you know, I, you might get taken for granted. And, you know, I just look back on it. I'm like, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't pay any attention. I didn't know what it would mean. And there was a guy at KMOV in the sports office, as a matter of fact, who might be like a year older than me. And he'd be watching Belo was the name of the company, B-E-L-O, that owned KMOV at the time. They don't own KMOV anymore. And I guess, I don't even know, I don't even know what it was called, but I know that he had a bunch of Belo stock. I guess we theoretically could have Belo stock as part of our 401ks. And he would be like, oh, Belo is up today. I'm closer to retirement. I'd be like, why do you care about that? We're 24 years old. Who cares? And good for him for thinking that way. And I just didn't think that way. And I really regret it. So having somebody not to like say, oh, hey, take a look at buying this stock or, oh, you know, I see you're only setting aside 10% of your your net each month, you need to be setting in your, oh, I don't want to set that aside. I'm 27. I want to enjoy myself. I get that. But just to have somebody you can contact, it means the world. And I'm telling you, the person matters as well. Not just any person, the person and the person's Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Kind of want to tell a Mark Hanna story, but I don't think now is the time. It's kind of like I have a Mark Monavani story to tell, but I want to wait until after the election 
Although maybe I should tell her now. I can't though. I can't. I can't. I can't. I know Pete, you're familiar with it, uh, at least to a, a decent amount. Um, what do you think is going to happen in that? By the way, I know we're both totally shooting from the hip. We are speaking pre-St. Louis County election. County I'm executive. just preparing myself to be disappointed. I am told it is super close, and not just between Montavani and Page, but also Zimmerman. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Milty about him. He said that he's a, he's a really strong candidate, also. Mm-hmm. Because, and I was talking to um, somebody who is tied uh, to the Democratic Party, and saying. For those of us who are really Democrats, we don't really view uh, Montevani or Page right. as really Democrats. And I know conversations I've had with Mark um, that I, you know, and I've told this gentleman that I said, I think that you're off on that. I think you might have been present for some of them and yep. they, they weren't recorded. Um, but either way, he's certainly independents and people uh, crossing over will be key. But I think for those who are truly progressive, they feel like. Zimmerman is their only option uh, in that in that lane, so to speak. That is the feeling I'm I'm getting. Um, but I'm telling you, I just I am so high on Mark Montemani. I just am. It's got and it's just I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to talking about it, and I'll talk. I will talk about it. We need somebody to remind me. I guess it could be me. Fuck me. Could be me. Uh, just put it in my phone to make sure for QFTA next week because I guess Pete, oh, you know what? We'll be doing it next Tuesday, election Tuesday. Right. So we won't know the result. Uh, so maybe we'll wait and do it on Wednesday. So you'll either be really high or low and I'll be, you'll be really high or low, but I really think it's so important. I don't necessarily get all worked up about elections. And it's funny. I feel like this is more important. I don't know. I say it's more important. Actually, usually I might feel that way about presidential elections. (laughs) This would be an exception. Uh, but, um, I just, I think this is a, a huge opportunity and I'm, I don't know. I'm, put it, put it out Tuesday, give him the QFTA b- bump. And then, uh, yeah. And then see what happens. See what happens. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, either way, I've been like, there's not a lot of polling on it. So I'm see, yeah, I haven't seen the saying. polls. So you telling me that it's really close. Makes That's me what feel, I'm told. Makes me feel better. But oh, really? But because you're hearing otherwise? No, just, just because I, I'd heard, I'd heard those polls from a long time ago that it wasn't as close. So now hearing that it's close makes me feel better. But I just, I'm prepared for disappointment Let's, because I want it bad. Let's see if I'm, I got something here. Maybe this is a poll it's from July 21st. Coronavirus looms large in Democratic primary for St. Louis County Executive. See if it's got any polling data. Um, no, I don't see anything that has polling data. Um, all right. No, I don't know. I just, I, I'm being told it's going to be very close. And, um, and, uh, I just, I don't know if I've ever done this. I mean, I, I just, I feel, I mean, I don't do it. I, I'll say who I'm voting for or who I did vote for in an election, but where I feel this strongly going into an election. And it's in a lot, I, I felt this way in, in 2018, but over the last 10 months, I guess, or so I've gotten to know Mark, um, really well um and i think even more highly now um than i did 10 months ago and i already was high i was already high on him then so man it's you know it's a different deal when you're kind of like observing from afar like oh i really think this person could be good for the city the state the region whatever the case might be now it's it's on a personal level and i'm even more sold yeah when you get in the same room with him when you get to talk to him you realize that he's 
a super dynamic guy. Like he's so intelligent. Right. He's like he's dynamic is the best word I can think of to describe him. Like he said that he's above and beyond the the rest of the candidates. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he's I mean, I'm just it's so but I, I I don't feel like it would be right to talk about it in advance. But if you take my reads on people seriously, uh, and I'd like to think my reads have been that certainly batting above five hundred. I think they might be in the nine above nine hundred. Yes, you can pick something. Don't get me wrong. Uh, this is, I mean, you know, my endorsement of Mark Montavani ideally would carry some semblance of uh, of weight. Uh, let's see. Hey, Tim. I'm listening to your Gallup Palooza podcast. That was last week's QFTA. And I wanted to show you something I saw for Missouri that indicates it might not be as much of a lock for Trump in 2020 as you were saying. I thought the same thing as you, that my vote really doesn't matter for president because Missouri is red and trending even more that way. But I saw some of the polling done for Galloway, the Democrat running against Parsons, and it showed Biden actually ahead of Trump. I can't believe that. Uh, it's just one poll, and while it's extremely probable that Trump carries Missouri, it might not be an absolute slam dunk as he continues to fumble around with the COVID response and drive divisiveness instead of unity. His overall in Missouri has bounced back to around plus 5.5 after closing into around plus 2 in early July, but he won Missouri by about 18 points in 2016, so this is probably a little too close for comfort for him. Anyhow, just thought it was interesting because I was thinking like you, it's something to keep an eye on as November approaches. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Here's the data I got this from. So it's uh, it's 538. I haven't even looked at Missouri polling on the presidency. I did, you know what? Actually, I take that back. I did. STL Today did one a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday, and Trump was ahead comfortably. Uh, I think it was eight points, so it wasn't the 16% margin in 2016. But uh, all right, so as of July 28th, uh, so this is after this gentleman sent the email because he sent the email on the 24th. So this is more recent, but I went to 538. Uh, Trump, 48.9. Biden, 43.6. So it it was closer. It got to 47.4 to 45, but it is now, as of this moment, 48.8, 43.5. I, just, I, I cannot imagine a scenario in which Donald Trump does not carry Missouri. I guess I can say, although, I mean, seven months ago, I was saying I don't see a scenario in which Donald Trump isn't reelected. So, you know, uh, that, let me check the Bovada numbers. Are you watching that at all, Gangster Pete? I haven't checked it recently. Last week I saw Biden was minus 160. And by the way, when I said that I can't imagine a scenario unless something huge happens, I did put the disclaimer out there, um, that, uh, that, uh, Trump doesn't get reelected, of course, unless something huge happens. And here we are. Uh, at that time, Trump was minus 160 or minus 165 himself. And as we pointed out last week or two weeks ago, uh, in the whole scheme of things, what does it matter? Because, you know, on election day in 2016, Hillary Clinton, I think, was minus 200 or something like that. So it's not like it uh, matters. Man, something's up with my laptop because everything is slow. Anyway, last week, Biden was minus 160. What does it matter? But um, there it is. Gangster Pete, you have the fan page up. What do you have next? Oh, I closed that. Oh, okay. I apologize. I'm sure that was poor hosting on my part. Let me tell everybody about design air heating and cooling. Got this from my opponent in the uh, fan page club championship. Curtis Hall is his name. Gangster Pete, do you want me to beat Curtis Hall? Because you're on the bag of Mark Milton, who would be my opponent. Should I get past the 12 or 13 handicapped Curtis Hall? Yeah, sure. 
Wow. I mean, I, that was so, that was such a great answer because I couldn't tell if you really meant it. Like usually I could pick up a read and it was so well done. You even disguise your voice. I mean, I, I don't really have much stake in the, oh, you, don't the get, you don't get like, you don't, you don't get like, I thought you maybe you got a cut of the winnings. No, no, I got nothing. I'm just, you're just out there. I'm just, help, I'm just helping Milty out. Um, so, uh, let's see what I got here. Curtis emailed me this and he's a good guy. Uh, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. Do you played with him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, Tim, tomorrow's the day the Design Air is putting in a new HVAC unit in our home. We are excited, especially since our last unit is over 30 years old. Long story short, I have a friend who uh, is tied to an HVAC business, and he was my first call, and I was shocked by the supposed friends and family price I received. Second call was to a recommendation from my father, a contractor, uh, and it still was a shock, but in their defense, it was $2,000 cheaper than the one that I initially got. Knowing I was going to get three bids, Design Air was my last bid. Seth Goldcamp was an absolute delight to meet with. He didn't waste my time, but still answered any questions that I had. When I received my bid from Design Air, they were $4,000. Yes, $4,000 cheaper than the friends and family deal I thought I was getting. They're installing this morning, but I send you this now being fully confident and very excited to be working with them. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. I cannot recommend them enough. They're putting a new system in my home here in the next week or two. Big fan, design air, heating, and cooling. Uh, Gangster Pete, what do you have next? If you had the opportunity opportunity to interview President Trump but only got three questions, what would your three uh, questions so be? I, I did see this one yesterday. I just, I go into it going, he's just not going to tell the truth, and it's going to be kind of like when I interviewed Quinn What Snyder. if you know you're going to get the truth? Well, I'm not. Okay. So, I can't, so we can't, we can't. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not going to get to ask him three questions. Either. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Good, good counter. Um, why do you lie? <laughs> I would, I would. Ask, why did you run for president? I I'd would start ask him there. If he really wants a second term. Or yeah. He just wants I, to win. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, I, I think, but I'm, I'm already. I, I really believe that's the answer, so I don't need to ask that one. Um. What's up with your Twitter game? Pete? Yeah, I feel like he gets asked that so often that it's kind of a. I do. I want to try to. Uh, Are you still tapping Melania? Uh, I wouldn't go that route either. So I think I have an idea on that one too. Um, <laughs> I just want. I want confirmation of what I think. Yeah, uh, you're, you're basing this on there's a truth serum of. Yes. Of some. Yes, I'm going to get the truth. Sort. Here's something I wonder, just in general. You know, you see these things when a. Uh, a world leader or an American leader legend passes away. Like, for example, like when George H.W. Bush passed away or uh, Senator McCain passed away. And all of the former presidents sit together with their wives. You know, and even though when Barack Obama was campaigning, he was campaigning against George W. Bush. And when George W. Bush was campaigning, he was campaigning against Bill Clinton. And at least it gives off the appearance, like Michelle Obama and George W. Bush seem to Tight. be like, yeah, like fast friends. Right. I like them as friends. What's going to happen here, you know, if this should happen, where where President Trump is is voted out in November, and you have, like, will it be the same deal with the past presidents that you'll have President Trump sitting next to President Obama? And President Bush and President Clinton and, you know, potentially Jimmy Carter. I mean, is that, is that, is that, is that really, I just don't, I don't know if I ever see that happening. 
It's hard to see. I know. It's don't a great you think? question. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Yeah, so that's think. kind of what I would ask. Even though it's a, you know, it's kind of like he was asked by Chris Wallace. Did you watch that interview? Yeah, that was, that was full of some of the hardest belly laughs I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. of an unintentional comedy. It reminded me like when like certain people would call into TMA, and I'd be like, "This is the greatest thing ever." Even though, uh, sir, they <laughs> it's an elephant. Uh, but, uh. You know what? You know, like when he asked you, if you if you don't win, are you going to accept the results? <laughs> and we actually have to like ask the question. That's where we are. Well, that's the question we asked on here before. Uh, I know, as Bill Maher's been saying this for years. Um, but you know, what would you? How would you handle like you know, post presidency? Like Jimmy Carter and George W. Bush, I think have gotten more popular post presidency. Um, so, I mean, I mean, what, what road would he go? I don't know. I still, you know, I had a conversation with somebody regarding what we were just talking about with the, would he accept the results and so on and so forth. And this person said, I don't worry about it. And here's why, because as we saw with, uh, Bush v. Gore in 2000 and eventually 2001, uh, it, it, it isn't like. You know, he's going to call up the military like it's, you know, Manuel Noriega. You know, it would go to the Supreme Court and look at what Justice Roberts has been doing recently. I think he's kind of like, okay, enough. You know, if you've noticed what he's been doing as far as his um, decisions, he has not been rolling with President Trump. And so this person is of the opinion that that stuff, it would just, so while Bill Maher may really think it or he's just feeding the audience that, uh, he's just like, that's, I'm, I'm not concerned about that. I don't know. I still think, I mean, we're only, we're less than a hundred days away from the election gangster Pete. Wow. And if that can go peacefully, then at that point, then I will exhale because in my mind, I'm not saying like, Oh, we're going to have the blues versus the grays again. I'm not saying <laughs> that. I'm just saying, I just think this is going to be, are you by, by and this? It does all tie in together. Are you feeling more bullish on a vaccine? I am here over the last week. I've been seeing a lot of headlines about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, that would just be such a game changer. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, uh, like, you would feel like such a weight is lifted off your shoulders if that were to happen. Yeah. I mean, at that, at, for real. It's, 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 I mean, it goes without saying. It's an obvious statement, but I'll say it anyway. It's a world changer. Yeah. It's a world changer. It's an absolute world. Think about it. Like, I see, like, I was just going through some pictures on my phone a couple days ago, and I see my son and I at a game at Roger Dean Stadium, which was only five and a half months ago. And yet it <laughs> feels like it was like another time and another place as far as like humanity. And to think that I think it was like March, God, I think 7th, where John Mazalak came out and he was kind of late to address the media. You know, there's only like five of us around. And uh, on the field at Roger Dean before the Cardinals played the Astros and kind of like, sorry, I was running late. They were addressing this... Uh, coronavirus situation we're all kind of like yeah but what happened to gyro munoz i mean let's get to the real story right. i mean that's that's really what it was i, I record i held up my phone and recorded it and, and posted the stuff and it's like the the pandemic shit it wasn't a pandemic i guess it might have been called the pandemic at that point but nobody was really not nobody but not many people were considering it that way uh it got viewed up you know i don't know a couple thousand times but the gyro munoz thing was the thing was getting retweeted and like <laughs> left and right and it's like now you have to tell people who gyro munoz is right it's just so, I mean, it's just an amazing thing. So to think that that could be in our rearview mirror. And I was saying, I was saying, and I might've said this on the podcast a couple weeks ago that I, you know, stay in touch with doctors and, um, 
medical administrators and get their opinions and see how they're doing and how things are going. And I asked one two weeks ago, and I said, do you think a year from now this will still be going on? And he said, no, I don't, but at what cost? And he said, I don't think the masks are going away. Um, so then you go, okay, well, what will that mean for a variety of different industries where people are like, I don't know if I want to go out. I will. I think I will anyway. I say that now. Um, I think I will. And that's, again, it's operating on the premise that there will be a vaccine. The vaccine actually works. There aren't, you know, ridiculous downsides that are with it. That's some things that some people understandably ask about. If you have a vaccine, that usually takes a longer time to get to market. Uh, are you going to be hesitant? But anyway, that's 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 why I, that's why I just I've circled no I've circled Pete and I circled November 2020 back pre the John Mazalock Gyro Munoz pandemic press conference. We were talking about this, and now it's at another level. And that's when that's when Donald Trump was winning comfortably, much less uh, the way that things are polling at this particular moment. Uh, let's see. Uh, now this one's a COVID testing question. It's a fair question, but. Uh, let's see. I like this one, even though it's kind of a rough topic. I feel like I'm seeing more blatant racism now, more now than in any other time in my life. I'm 44. It's no longer only the dog avatars. People are openly saying racist comments or slurs in the public. Is it me or have you noticed it as well? What is the cause that comes from Dave? And I wanted to make sure I answered this one because I'm actually on the other side of it. Me too. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I thought we might disagree on this. Mm-mm. I am noticing, it like, like what used to be, and again, I think I said this on the podcast before, the official, unofficial title of the podcast, that what used to, I don't know if I would consider it necessarily, quote-unquote, cool, but that it was accepted, kind of like, and I don't even know if it was, like, bigoted. It was just, like, jokes, but I realized if you were to do it on Twitter, you'd immediately be killed. But I don't think it was told, like, from, like, ah, I think white people are better than black people thing. Um, That like the latent racism that I think is what really is prominent in St. Louis, not like we believe the white race is superior. I don't think that's what's really going on. I think it's latent bigotry. Like that is no longer in vogue and actually going the other way is, is, is what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing now. I will say this, and I hope it doesn't come off the wrong way. Um, and I actually mean it this time when I say I hope it doesn't come off the wrong <laughs> Is that when I talk about like the masks and how when I, the, the, I maybe go to the grocery store once or twice every couple weeks. Uh, and when I pick up food, that's it. I either, I'm at the, my house right here with you, Pete, and the boys doing the show or at the golf course or the range. That's it. Those are the only places I go. And it's, it's weird, but I guess that fulfills me enough that that's, you know, that's what I've done since all this happened. Have not dined inside of a restaurant since Jupiter, Florida. I realize I might be in a minority on that. But when I'm out at a grocery store or picking up food and people are around each other, they're wearing masks. But then somebody texted into the radio show when we were having this conversation. They were saying, well, you're in St. Louis County, go to St. Charles County, go to Jefferson County, and you won't see it that way. I don't know. And I'm not saying I don't go there because I don't go anywhere. You know, I guess the <laughs> furthest I've gone from my house is to play my fan page club championship matches at Gateway. Other than that, once I drove back from Jupiter, I have been in my little three-mile radius. What has your experience been both on the mask thing and then on what this question was about with regard to racist comments? Uh, I've, I've seen the masks 
pretty much everywhere I go. Okay. Uh, I don't go a lot of places too. I mean, I've been out to eat a few times, but it's all been outside places. Like I've been to Billy G's, I've been to Shava's. They had outside seating. Oh, I like that. I like both those places. Delish. Yeah, both those places. Yeah. Uh, as far as the racist thing, uh, I mean, I don't see it as worse. I think, I think you might think that if you go in like a Twitter rabbit hole or right, something, but right. I think you're going to think everything's worse when I you get on Twitter. Twitter. I agree with you hundred percent on that. But, uh, yeah, just in my personal interactions, it, I don't think, think it's worse at all. Like, uh, I mean, you see black lives matter signs. I do anyway, all over the place. And I'm not talking about like, you know, U City or some uh, Webster <laughs> Groves, uh, the per per perceived progressive municipalities of St. Louis County. I see them in Ladue. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of like, I, I think, I think, uh, I don't know what the, because using the word great is certainly not it. But one of the most substantial positive byproducts of an incredible negative is that I think for a number of people, in the white community, I think uh, you would hear about these. You would hear about these stories, but but if you didn't experience it, then you'd go, "I don't know." And my experiences have always been positive, so I don't know. And then finally, it was it was caught on tape, and people are just like, "Oh my god!" And then people are like, "I you know now now I get it." And it doesn't mean all this or all that, but now I think I think empathy, which is a word used a, a lot, well before the George Floyd uh, tape, which was kind of like considered like a bitch word, like oh you're soft if you're using the term empathy. I think now there's empathy. Now here is here is something that might not. Here is something that maybe it's it's amazing. Like I, I I go out of my way I guess to try to offend everybody, but it's but it's how I truly think. I think now that that there's like an anti-white, so to speak, empathy uh, or lack of empathy, in the same way that those have not uh, those who have not experienced what seemingly many in the African American community have experienced. What I would ask then for those who haven't experienced that is is to understand that many in the white community didn't experience and so didn't know, or didn't or just how how could you know? So oftentimes I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get, when it comes to like inside baseball with regard to the radio show, for example, and they're fair questions, but I, if I'm in a bad state of mind, I'll be like, how does this motherfucker not know this? But they don't know because they haven't been in here with the six of us, Pete, or, or they haven't been on this side of the desk with regard to advertising revenue or something like that. And so it's not coming from a place of malice. It's coming from a place of ignorance but not ignorance in the standpoint of like intentionally ignorant you just don't know because you haven't walked in the shoes and so that's why like for example when we had alvin mackin i just thought it was and it's all as anytime we talk about it i tribute i'm so glad he volunteered to do it it was perfect because it wasn't like oh alvin's got an agenda because he's running for office or alvin you know is bankrolled by this group he was just in here telling his experiences, which helped open people's eyes because they could identify, here's somebody we've kind of heard about on the show or they actually know, and these are his experiences. Just like I thought one of the most beautiful things I've read was what Adam Wainwright was quoted as saying before the game on Friday night as to why he chose to wear a Black Lives Matter, wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. And it was, and he cited his Christianity, God bless him, 
um, to each their own, uh, as my teammates. I can't relate to it, but Dexter Fowler, Willie McGee, and I can't recall who the third person was. Was it Jordan Hicks? Jack Flaherty, probably. Yeah, and then he mentioned Hicks later in okay. the thing also. Asked him, and, and they were telling stories that, they, that he just couldn't possibly relate to, but he goes, as a Christian, and, and again, that's his thing, but good for him, whatever. That's how he saw it. That's how he arrived there, whatever, whatever the case might be. It's like, I got to take care of my brothers. My teammates are my brothers, and they asked me, and therefore I'm there for them. And I'm not supporting any political movement or anything like that. And God, I saw some of the hatred he got because he made <laughs> reference to the stuff on Twitter. Uh, but I just thought, I just thought, I was like, oh, it's so, it was like he was able to explain it without like saying, yes, I am, you know, I have read this, these statements that are being attributed to the movement and therefore, and that's not what it was. And I don't think that's what it is for most people. And I think it's just, so, so actually, Dave, I, I know your question comes from a sincere place. That hasn't been my experience, but just because it hasn't been my experience, which is just what I was speaking to, it, it, it doesn't mean that that hasn't been your experience. And maybe you, maybe you have been around it. And maybe there has been more backlash, so to speak, than what I am around. I don't know. I, as I said, I essentially see the guys on the show and the guys I play golf with and my family, and that's it. Uh, and that's been the way it's been here for a number of months. But, um, if anything, I actually noticed the inverse. Um, I noticed the opposite, and I think it is a beautiful thing out of something that is incredibly sad. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what or people would. I don't know if I asked that question like on Twitter. I, well, I would never ask that question on Twitter. Actually, <laughs> I caught myself. I'll never fucking do that. But on the fan page, which I realize isn't by any means, you know, but it's certainly a hell of a lot better than Twitter. Uh, I had the dog avatar people show up or the people with like 30 numbers in their, their handles pop up when I tweeted the thing about Adam. I'm like, fuck it. I just think this is a great thing and I'm going to go ahead and expose myself to him. So fuck it. Uh, and for the most part, it was received very positively. I'm like, how couldn't you, how couldn't you? And the people who look at that and go, fuck him. I don't <laughs> want those people anyway. No, you fuck know, those people. yeah, I don't want those people anyway. So good. You know, I'm like, I, I part of me was like, Bring it on, dog avatars. Bring it on, car avatars. You know, flag avatars. Hijacking the flag. Fuck off. So I, my, my experience has been the opposite. So I don't know. I'm anxious. Dave, I don't know. I, I think Dave's written in before, and I asked to follow up, and he followed up. So, Dave, there you go. Uh, I'm not going to give you a last name. You just signed it as Dave, but uh, fire away. Hi, Tim. Big fan. You said the other day that you have a thing about new houses. This is delving into me being batshit. Uh, I was wondering what that means. Germophobic, not especially handy. Was just curious. Thanks. That's from BM. Uh, it's a nice little, it's a very, probably a subtle line. Um, I don't have a good, it's a, it's a, I, I'm certainly not handy. It's really sad. I think it is, I think outside of my height, uh, the male pattern baldness and my personality, I think if Anna Marie were doing the Mount Rushmore of things that she's not attracted to about me, I think my lack of handiness would be would be on the Mount Rushmore. It really is like she is really, really disappointed in. <laughs> really disappointed in. Her, if, if something is wrong at the house, we're either hiring somebody or her father is coming over, uh, you know, to fix it. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there and be broken. I mean, it's bad. Um, I don't know what my deal is with new houses. I have no idea. It's not like I've got like 10 of them under my belt. I've lived in two new houses I don't know. It's not. It's not a germaphobic thing at all. Because when I'm down in Florida, I'm living in houses that obviously aren't new. 
Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a thing. I, I guess I think, I think Pete for me, and I don't know what, uh, your arrangement was growing up. I like, like, I think of the homes in St. Louis Hills where I grew up in my parents' house and I just like having open space. And those are, you know, they were, they're older homes. And while a lot of people like that, the rooms are smaller and I like openness, although I guess you could gut them and, you know. So I don't know. That's that. that that's that's the real reason on that because that's how it came up about St. Louis Hills. I just like cool spaces. I don't care if it's old or new, as long as it's a cool space. Do you like, like open it. open spaces or? Yeah, I prefer open. Yeah. Like my place is all open. It's like yeah, fifteen foot ceilings. Yes, yeah, that's, yep. that's what I like. That's what I like. I love that. But I it's old. That. But it's yeah. All open. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. That's a good question. It's a, it's a astute observation. Uh, hello, another TMA-related question. When did the vile email start coming into email of the day? It seems like it's been as long as I've been listening, but it's so funny and stupid all at the same time, so I need to know all about the story. Thanks. That's from TW. Um, it goes back before Doug. And Pete is a, is a listener from near the very beginning or the beginning. I believe it came from producer Joe. People would attack producer Joe... <laughs> And so the show has always kind of needed to have that roast element where everybody can get attacked at any moment. And that includes listeners, as long as the listeners choose to engage. Like if you call into the show, you know you are <laughs> going to be told to kill yourself. Uh, and, and so it was producer Joe, and it was about producer Joe. Uh, people really believed that he was uh into men and that's that's what it that's what it starts so almost every email was about joe being gay and he, and he goes fine i'm not a homosexual you guys can keep writing this and, and then because it clearly bothered him all it did was that's probably why you don't get brought up in too many emails because pete is like i don't fucking care yeah fan page sucks whatever hate me i don't give a shit you know and so people are like fuck we can't rattle this guy iggy and the Plowhawk. And then Doug feigns his disgust. Uh, they react, and so that's why they come in about him. Um, and so that's that's I kind of think I think that's the key. But that's how it started. And the email thing came from me listening to Jim Rome, and he would read emails. That's where it came from. And so then I initially uh, it was uh, nepotism. That was, and that's still going on, which is absolutely phenomenal. I'm now 43, and my dad's been retired for six, seven years, and it's still nepotism. It's an amazing thing. Um, but that I was a Jim Rome ripoff. That that's what it was. Which is weird to say, but that's what it was. I remember getting that criticism. He's Jim Rome, all be, only because I write emails. Um, so that's that's when it started. I mean, it started from probably the very beginning, but it got going when people were like, and I don't know what it was about Joe. I guess that he was really into soccer and would like <laughs> correct us when we would say something wrong. Like you like he'd come in and go, no, it's not a field, it's a pitch. You know, and that just didn't play well. And I don't think it would play well now, much less in 2004. And then he had the ankle tattoo and that was the whole thing. Um, but I'll tell you this, I got to say this about producer Joe, producer Joe did really well for himself with some attractive women, you know, say whatever you want to say about how banty he gets about Iggy <laughs> and how, how he does have a braided ankle tat, which I think is in the process of being laser removed. <laughs> Producer Joe, over the years, has had he's had some of the best I've seen. I got to tell you, I tip my cap. I really do. So uh, that's but that's how the email thing uh, started up. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, I can't go into this one. It's radio-related. I, I said this to Pete last week. I recorded, this is uh, Pete can vouch for it. You're the only person who can. Uh, we weren't able to do the, the QFTA as we normally do with the two of us in the studio, so I just did it by myself at my house. And I went on like probably a 45, it wasn't a tangent, it was just kind of more of an explanation about what I think is some perception regarding the radio situation versus reality. And at the time, I felt really good about it. And then it was one of those things that I'm like, oh, I hope Pete didn't upload that when I woke up. Because I'm like, I don't think, I think it's going to create more problems than it's going to solve. Um, and since we're still, you know, engaged, um, I'm trying to, you know, what's the upside? And so this question is about the cat and the plowhawk. With regard to the cat, he is returning to the program on, if you're listening to this uh, now, as in now being this week, and it is June, July 28th, he is re he's returning on June, uh, excuse me, August 3rd. Um, I don't know what the plowhawk situation is. I just have been told by the cat that he is coming back on August 3rd. I text with the plowhawk, um, as I'm sure you do as well, yeah. Gangster Pete. Um, and I know the plowhawk was taking this two-week vacation, but he's back in St. Louis. And so uh, I don't know what his situation is. And this gets into asking some more detailed questions that I just, I'm not going to get into just again, because it's, it's, it's all about upside versus downside. And that's the, that's the thought process on it. But I mean, I understand the questions. One thing I guess I will say, because, uh, and I don't feel like it's many people, but it's just one thing um, that, that I, I do think is important. And I know Pete knows this, and I certainly know everybody else on the show knows this. Uh, and certainly people close to me know this, whether it be my wife or my family or people who advise me know this. So I just want to make this clear. Buying KFNS or any radio station, for that matter, is not something that, like, has been a lifelong goal of mine. And I'm not saying that to mock it or anything. I just want to set the record straight in case there is a perception that if this does not come to fruition, that this was like a, like, I, how am I going to sleep kind of thing. That's, it's just not, that's not accurate. Uh, I am interested in it. I'm interested in it from a controlling one's own destiny standpoint. But it is not a, it's it's really kind of an ace-king pocket-queens math thing. Um, obscure poker reference. Basically, 52-48 percentage thing. Um, with, with positives of buying it would come a lot of negatives. Um, some of which, Gangster Pete, you're aware of and can probably rattle off five yep. right away. Some of which you probably wouldn't be just because I've, you know, I'm aware of numbers and so on and so forth. And then that's just, that's just reality. But we also are prepared for these numbers. Uh, and as you can also imagine, I don't think I'm saying anything that's particularly cutting edge, but this is, this is not a, uh, this is not the greatest time to be, um, buying something that is fueled by advertising revenue. But I also, this kind of goes back to when I was talking about when I read things and I'm like, how the fuck? But people don't know. So that's why I kind of want to, I want to say it here and not go on and on and on about it, but just to kind of like give, here's a little, give you a little insight into, you know, what, what is the thought process? This is rough. Uh, and if this were uh, July or August of 2019, it's a totally different discussion. That's reality. I don't think it's, I think once you're hearing it, and you're going, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But the thing that, and, and many of you maybe already knew that, but then secondarily, the thing that I that I led with that I really want to focus on is this is not a, man, if we don't buy KFNS, what are we going to do? It, that's that's not, 
that's not it. That's not the mindset. Um, it's never been the mindset, actually. Uh, nor is it with any radio station. It's just not. Um, there is a, as I, and I said this during the time when we were under the uh, letter of intent, um, and that is that there are a number of people who advise me or want to invest who um, are more digitally focused than terrestrial radio focused. I'm sure some of you in the audience are thinking that way. And anytime that comes up, I point out I'm under contract through the end of 2021. So if one goes, well, why don't you just do it now? It's, it's, it's a fair question, which is why I, when fair questions are asked, I want to spend some time addressing them. I can't. Now, other people could. I can't. I can't. I'm under contract. So I can't. So that's that's the, the circumstance. Um, but, it, you know, to make it clear, we are still, we, I, our group is still interested in, in um, you know, working something out that allows us to control our own destiny. I feel very strong. I feel more strongly about that part now than I did. Um, God, man, God, I think it's been eight months since, uh, we made an offer. Uh, but yeah, January. So that's an amazing thing, but some things have happened. Uh, a lot has happened. A, a lot has happened since, uh, May. Uh, so, you know, so I do want to communicate with the audience, even though I'm in an odd spot where, you know, part of it is I choose not to until things are done one way or the other. And um, part of it is I just don't know what upside there is because there's always so much more, uh, even if it's a positive thing, there's always so much more. And even even if even if everything gets worked out, there'll still be some stuff I probably won't go into publicly just because it's kind of like, what's the point? You know, like, because it, it may embarrass somebody or might just be a negative thing. There's just no need. Uh, and that's the way that I, I operate. It might not be the, the best uh, as far as listening goes, but I just, as I, I think I've said before, and a few people have referenced this uh, in their emails for QFTA, uh, you always, I, I love that you said that older guy, and it's the guy who owns 920, actually, Bert Kaufman's his name. Uh, and he said, don't waste any time on something that doesn't have any upside. And it, it, it's so fucking obvious, but for whatever reason, until he said it, and maybe if he were 22, you know, I wouldn't have paid attention to him, but he was probably 81 or something when he, when I was sitting across from him and saying it. And I'm just like, God, what a, and then never get into a war of words. These are the two. Don't spend any time on any, on something that doesn't have any upside and then never get into a war of words with a liar. It's kind of like, God, they're so basic, but because they're so basic, they're very easy to remember. And then you're kind of like, well, shit, that makes it easy. And it really, it really has for me, which might be why I sound so blase or emotionless about things, but it's kind of it. And also for me, de deals are determined by math, not by emotion. So, uh, I realize emotions in play, but you know, that's not, that's not how deals are done. I mean, I guess they can be done, but that's not how I'm going to do them. And so, yeah, it, don't waste time on things that don't have any upside. So I don't want to create something that's going to lead to me, which is why I told Pete, you know what, let's forget about that thing last week with the radio stuff. Because I'm like, I, I didn't say anything negative, but I also got into some things and maybe that's going to cause some kind of an issue and it could, it could take, we have, we have our eyes on the prize here and I don't want to knock us off track. Um, and then also, yeah, don't get into war words with a liar. That's kind of an obvious one. That's not anything that's, that's going on with what, what I'm navigating at this particular moment. But this, this going back to what I was navigating when he told me that, and, uh, and that, was, that was, 
yeah, it was, it was, it's just kind of like, yeah, why the hell, why would, cause it doesn't matter what I say, the person's going to just lie. So it doesn't matter. So what, what, why would I engage, you know? So, you know, granted that was years ago, but it was, it's just something that stuck with me. So if you can take anything out of it, don't waste any time on something that has no upside and don't get into a war of words with a liar. So there you go. Do with that what you want. All right. We have gone long and we have gone strong on questions from the audience uh, and still didn't. My God, look at all the questions, Gangster Pete, that I still have and we didn't even yeah, get to. There's a bunch on the fan page. There's a bunch too. on the fan page. And yeah. I hate it. Maybe I'll just do, maybe I'll do another one, Han Solo. But the people love Gangster Pete. Are there any on there that you, I know you're always happy to get out of here. Is there any that you see on the fan page? <laughs> I you, closed you, it You already, closed it out. Yeah. You're already out. I always feel like I, I pick up body language tells on Pete, and that's how I know when to shut it down. I don't even look at the clock. It's a gangster Pete body language tell. Uh, before we uh, do shut it down, allow me to tell you about Jim Rogers and Restoration One. Uh, when our basement flooded, it was Jim Rogers and Restoration One that saved the day. Uh, anytime, and I understand we have a, it's an unfortunate forecast this week uh, with rain. Uh, if you wake up in the morning to find stormwater has entered your home overnight, it should hit you like a bolt of lightning on who to call. Water damage is hard. Water damage is difficult. But on the other side of water damage is Restoration One, the Golden Goose. Uh, they know how to clean up the mess, and they do believe in it. This is no Shishawali operation. Professionally trained and certified staff who will serve your needs real nice, like it's Restoration One of Central St. Louis. The first call you should make when your home is wet, 314 888-5266. That's 314-888-5266. Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Gangster Pete, it was wonderful to have you back. Good to be here. The people love you. I love uh, the people. And the people uh, are grateful that you are back. I am grateful as well. Glad you could join us for another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.